All right, pre-show shenanigans. Uh, this is the second year in a row that I've attended the very first preseason game for the Bolts, Bolts Chargers, second year in a row I've gone to this game. And let's just start off with this, Everett. I'm extremely, extremely proud of Bolt Nation, of my Bolt family for showing up to SoFi. So they always have this first preseason game scheduled as a Rams home game. And for good reason, there's no such thing as Charger fans. They don't exist. I'm one of 12. So for good reason, I understand. Yeah, you uh, and the two guys from last year that were like, this is a normal thing. Yeah. Oh, I, I was crying laughing last year, sitting there during the Titans game. I'm next to someone and the guy's just like, we go up 10-0, 14-0 early. Immediately, it's a tie game. And the guy sitting next to me is like, ah, boys, sit tight. It's going to be a long one. This is, um, so this is our I, franchise. We're, we're going to, uh, this is, this is diverging totally a little bit from, that part too. this is your, this is diverging a little bit from what we're yeah, going to actually yeah, talk yeah. about in the pre-show. Well, how do you think that guy's response was when you went up 26 to zero, whatever so this the is playoff thing, game? So, like this is the thing about that. Like I, I kind of brought it up before, but when the, when the Jaguars scored that touchdown at the end of the first half, like I need his words down. just replaying in your head. Just well, they were replaying before that. When we went up 27 0, I was actually more afraid than if we were up 21 0 because it's like, wow, now it's a 27 0 lead. We can choke. Literally, that was my thought. Now process. It's possible. It wasn't and possible 20, no, but no NFL franchise other than the Falcons should ever be thinking like that, too. Well, like, the Colts, the Colts last year, kind, kind the of the Colts were up 33 to but like it's, three, but but. The Colts were the Colts, you know, like at least the Chargers had a playoff hope last year. Matt and Ryan was on Fal- both teams. That's all I'm saying. Well, Matt Ryan sucks nuts. All I'm saying. But I, I mean, I also just wanted to point out that prior to going to the Chargers Titans game last year, the only NFL game I had attended like in years, and I don't count this as my first NFL game, but it was between the 2016 Atlanta Falcons and the 2016 LA Rams in the Coliseum. You know what the 2016 Atlanta Falcons did. They went to the Super Bowl that year at the time. I didn't quite realize it, but like Atlanta beat the Rams maybe 48 to seven that day. And we watched Julio Jones and Matt Ryan just absolutely torch the living shit out of the Rams secondary. (laughs) And like, I should have known after seeing literally the MVP play in person and Julio Jones that they were going to go on a soupy run, but I didn't make those connections at the time when I was in eighth grade. So didn't quite. It was that long ago. Yeah. That long ago. Wow. (laughs) Those connections, but like, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, for this Chargers Rams game. I would say last year when I went, it was a 95-5, 90-10 ratio of Rams to Chargers fans. Now, at the time, it made a lot of sense. There's no such thing as a Charger fan. The Rams had just won the Super Bowl. Of course, their fans are going to show up for the first preseason game at home. However, this year, instead of a, a 90-10 and 95-5 split Everett, it was only like an 85, 15, 80, 20 hey, split even. That's, like a, 80, that's a decent 20, amount okay, of people though. 80, 20, but 85, 15, okay? I was extremely, extremely proud of our fan base. I, I didn't think we'd show up like that, especially after an off season where we passed on a literal, you know, it might be a little early to call him a Hall of Famer, you know, a little too early, but we really passed on Jordan motherfucking Addison for Quinn. 
Okay. So we, Let's get I into mean, that. we'll that's, dive that's into it real more. Point of the we'll, di- we'll dive into it more, but we can quickly mention it real quick. Uh, JSN is the best receiver in the class. Okay. We couldn't have even got JSN. I was heartbroken when JSN got picked the One pick. before the Chargers. It broke my heart. However, we still could have still could have came away with a better result for the circumstances we were in at pick 21. Okay. Jordan motherfucking Addison was on the board and we passed. Yeah. Now, so how do you feel when he made a toe drag tapping catch the other day? Uh, so first things first, I actually loved that it was preseason. They didn't review it and they called it incomplete because I want Jordan Addison to use that as fucking motivation this week. Okay. I want Jordan Addison to be pissed off in practice that they took away a highlight catch from him. Now it is preseason. It doesn't matter anyway, but still they're taking away moments from the next star receiver in the making. Now I'm, let's be honest. It's going to be hard. For Jordan Addison to ever be as good as Justin Jefferson. He's had the greatest start for any NFL receiver to his career ever. It's going to be tough to top that. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> However, him as their wide receiver too, and he's locked up at minimum for four years. Odds are probably will extend him on that fifth year, even though they wouldn't want to re-sign him. But Jordan Addison and Justin motherfucking Jefferson is your wide receiver duo for at minimum Five more seasons. Also, keep in mind, uh, Justin Jefferson. Twenty-eight. Justin Jefferson's what? 24, 25 right now. I think he's twenty-four. So that put, he was drafted him at, at 29, 29 years old when Which Jordan is, Addison's done. I mean, <laughs> and five shit. more seasons. I don't know Justin Jefferson when he signs his extension. It will be five years or four. Four right because it's not quarterback or no you can do you can do as many years as you want like oh oh, oh i oh oh for some reason i thought it was like only most teams decide five. to do that because the longevity yeah. of the position but he'll probably get okay. a five-year deal so justin jefferson will get five years i'm not sure what the annual amount would be i'd say at least 30 i also so, could be completely wrong but like yeah, I, mean, I don't fucking know but like justin jefferson and jordan addison and tj hawk who we saw Put up phenomenal numbers in a KOC offense last year. We'll talk uh, about I that. Believe, you know what? I can't you know believe it's Quentin Johnson. Quentin Let's Johnson. save this as a teaser for the actual episode. Yeah. Okay. It's okay. a teaser. We'll, for the episode. we'll save. But uh, just remember, can you can you please remind me to go over Quentin Johnson uh, over the top fade catches um, and how there was one guy on the board, Jordan Addison, who makes those catches, and one guy who doesn't, which we took in the first round, Quentin Johnson. It's kind of ironic, you know. You, Whatever. Okay, I digress. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Waterboy Podcast. Today it is episode 143. NFL preseason week one just wrapped. We got a lot to break down. A lot of overreactions, maybe underreactions that we'll be going over. The Dodgers look incredible on an eight-game win streak, 12-1 and one in our last 13, Everett. And I know you don't care about this, but... English soccer is back, and that's been taking over my life over the weekend. But yeah, we're not talking about that. Let's start off with the MLB. Let's start off with Major League Baseball. I just want to say, um, both to you and the viewers, Everett, I apologize for even bringing up Major League Baseball when we are in football season. It is football season. When you step outside, you can smell, you could just smell 
that feeling of football in the air. It's 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 been a while since I felt. Oh, trust that me, I can smell the football in the air. Literally, it, it and does not feel leave it me. through the humidity. So <laughs> it does not leave all five me. senses work. You might you might truly be no, getting literally, six like, it, it, right it, it doesn't leave me. I got my my nice little shooter sleeve on today too. Shout out our boy JF1. But yeah, so staying on MLB. Before yesterday, Everett, we had gone four straight games giving up most one run per game. Lance Lynn has looked excellent as a Dodger. Clayton Kershaw is back. And Julio looked like Julio again yesterday, Everett. I can't believe I'm saying that. Now, Everett, maybe I'm being a little too optimistic here, but I almost feel better about this playoff run without being the overwhelming favorite going into the postseason. I feel, I feel like that's like better. We talked about this last year, yeah. how when the Dodgers are like in the shit, like when they, they, they think that like, you know, they're the shit, they fall apart because they think everything's kind of given to them. When you're struggling and you have to earn it, that's a little bit Keep different. That, I think this that year- edge on you, that chip on your shoulder. This year, obviously at the halfway mark, you know, the Dodgers were what, three, four games back. They were at a struggling point at, at, at one point in the season. So they had, they've had to work their way up, and now obviously they are, what, uh, eight and a half games ahead for first place? Yeah, so, four games back of leading the whole National League and getting that first round by. So can, like, can we just also acknowledge what a disastrous situation has become of the Diamondbacks in the past oh, that, like Well, and month. San Diego, too. Uh, even San though, Diego, I mean, the Padres, I mean, well, we knew this was going to happen. Yeah. The thing, though, is despite Arizona being ahead of San Diego right now, all the metrics and databases have San Diego with a higher percentage of making the playoffs off run differential and Pythagorean. They're not going to make Can the playoffs. I, I, you know, know what? This is the only time. This is the only time you'll ever hear me Are you applaud. Are the Padres a little bit over the D-backs? No, no, fuck okay. that. Okay, fuck the Padres. Say, the hell are we doing? Fuck the Padres. This is the only time you'll hear me applaud another team in the division. In the yeah. Um, how the the Giants managed to do something with absolute dog shit, nothing on their roster every year. It's unbelievable. Is it, it's, a, it's a very impressive. I will give them that. So one thing that I just want to say, uh, like Gabe Kapler, he was uh, a scout in our farm system or he was a director of our farm system for a while under Friedman. And we let him go to San Francisco. Uh, he's now their manager, obviously, doing a pretty solid job over there now. Firstly, Gabe Kapler and I, we have our differences. I've beat with him significantly in the past. Uh, but this season, I respect the shit out of the job Gabe Kapler is doing with the team he has right now. Going back to that year 2021 when they won the division off of us, like their team was excellent. I actually think they had 13 hitters on their team with an 800 OPS or higher. 13. Is that Chris Bryant's 13. last year? Right. Chris Bryant's that was that was his, that Francisco. was the contract year, and now he's Chris ass. Bryant That's like right. straight up might have been the only hitter on their team with a sub 800 OPS. It was kind of ironic, uh, <laughs> but they also had six relievers with three sub three ERAs that year. Six, like what the Giants were able to do that year was unbelievable. The help they had both in the lineup and in the bullpen, and they had four starters with three four ERAs or lower. That's just, I mean. You can't ask for a more deep, complete roster than that shit, what they put together in 21. Uh, only issue is, though, ever um, after that year when we bounced the Giants, we forced Buster Posey into retirement, and they still haven't gotten that catcher position really filled out yet. So, yeah, uh, it's a shame. Buster Posey's also, I think he's 33. 
Like we forced him in retirement at 31. Early. He couldn't do that shit. Early. Anymore. He was he like, was done. fuck he that. He was done with us. Fuck uh-uh, that. No more. I'm done. So, <laughs> so I can't deal with this anymore. <laughs> but, it's over. We're but done. Going, going back to the point though, last year we had the most stacked roster. We were the overwhelming World Series favorite. And I felt like that added too much pressure. No, we literally, the lineup. this time last year, Justin we Turner made our best player. Yeah. But also this time last year, we literally stated that we had anxiety over the Dodgers having this, you know, massive lead, favorite lead, all this stuff. And we were like, okay, the Dodgers don't do well when they're being, you know, applauded and have like high expectations. They're expected to do great things, right? The Dodgers don't do well when they think that things are given to them or are going to be given to them. And now when they have to earn it, that's when we see good job Dodgers, but you know, it's, it's a give and take. Like the, I honestly, the struggle of having the, the, like the, the one thing with Dave Roberts that I would give to him is that, I mean, everybody knows I'm not the Dave Roberts number yeah. one fan by any means, but many Dodger fans aren't the biggest fan of him as well. But, and I significantly hate the way that he manages playoff games. That's my biggest qualm with him. regular season. I don't really care. Playoffs. I care. What he does, though, he is able to manage bad situations well when it comes to longevity in the regular season. He can do that well. Yeah. So with season afloat. With with the way that the pitchers had been for a significant amount, turning that around and then getting the batters to turn around, even if it wasn't exactly at the same time, then they yeah. finally reached at the same time. That I mean. You know, that's that's what you know, turns seasons yeah. into championship seasons. So you know, at the minimum, there has not been a point in the season where both the pitching and offense became awful. Like when the pitching was going through their hiccups, we were still a top three scoring baseball team in the MLB, you know, like um, still getting something done. Uh, but last thing I just want to say though about it overall ever is that I feel like in years past. It's always the one through four that I keep on bringing up where I felt like when we were going up against the Braves and Freddie was on the Braves, I'm holding my breath every single time Freddie's up there knowing that he could go boom, boom. He could just get on base, extend the inning. He could rope a double, which like is arguably more terrifying than other outcomes because they have a runner on, they keep the pressure. They're still rocking you. So like, I, I feel like this year, compared to years past specifically from the mindset of the one through four hitters that there is less pressure to get on base and perform. I felt like last year, and I heard this in interviews, Trey Turner was saying it, Freddie was saying it because Mookie's hitting before you, Trey's after you, Will Smith is next, then Muncie, then Bellinger, a former MVP. There was so much pressure to just get on base and not fuck up and be the guy who fucked up in the lineup. I felt like there was so much pressure instead of performing to just not fuck up and disappoint the guys around you. But I feel like this year it's Mookie and Freddie are going up there to hit. They know the, how important they are to the offense. No, And also they're going to go up there. I know fucking hit. I know that, uh, I know that Freddie's leading the team in batting average. He's got the most, I think RBIs and everything. But Mookie and Mookie, for whatever reason, in the clutch this year, when it's it's his turn, phenomenal. Disgusting. And I'm hoping what we need is that that has to go through the playoffs Mm -hmm. because it dies when we go to the playoffs. If that's there, then then we're good. The other thing I just wanted to say, by the way, uh, what a dodged bullet not signing Trey Turner has been. 
Yeah, that, that was Abs- another like- move where I kind of thought there was no chance we were ever really going to re-sign him anyway. But it's just, in my opinion, all the things that make Trey Turner excellent are going to quickly drop off soon here as he approaches 30 years old. So in my opinion, what makes Trey Turner phenomenal? The base running, the speed. Start just with that. Phenomenal base runner, phenomenal speed. Not the, not the greatest arm or the greatest glove, but just having that speed, having that reaction time, it does help having a shortstop who can hover ground quickly. I understand that. The thing about Trey Turner, though, when you take like a deep dive into his hitting metrics is that he is a significantly better fastball hitter than off-speed hitter, Everett. And as he gets older, hand-eye, bat speed, being able to rope those fastballs, it's only going to decrease as he gets older. His reaction time is just going to decrease. It's not like a crazy thing to say. So over time, Trey Turner, like this year, he's obviously not elite. If we did resign him, I think he would have had maybe two or three more elite years. We know the answer to that. It was none. But I thought it would be like two to three, and then we'd be like, this is a waste of money. Happened earlier than we thought, though. Uh, but with Trey Turner, I just want to say, I still remember when we acquired Trey Turner, that was arguably the most happiest I've ever been as a Dodger fan. I'm, I love Trey Turner. He's one of my not favorite Mookie, players. Not Mookie, not when we got Mookie. That's different, you know. But like, <laughs> it's just like getting Trey Turner. It blew my mind. I never even knew that was a possibility with Seager out that year or coming back. Like, I... It was just so foreign to me thinking that we could just pick up Trey Turner, who was so unbelievably important in the 2019 Nationals uh, World Series run. So, but you're right. Long term, it was a horrible move. Thank God we didn't do it. Despite having Miguel Rojas be their placement, go look at their numbers, Everett. Like, well, it's not that keep in mind, we still got well. Gavin Lux coming back, too. And that's another thing. We did not intend on him tearing his ACL. Uh, no, in no. March. Um, that kind though, of though his rehab, his rehab, he could be back for a playoff run if they want him to. Keep him out. No, none of this shit. No rushing anyone back. I'm done with this. Last time we rushed someone back was Walker Buehler in 2021 when Max Scherzer was being a little bitch and he was like, oh, I can't start this game. Let Walker start. He hasn't recovered since. That was in October 2021. Uh, so, yeah, a little two years ago about. Uh, Walker, take your time, brother. Take your time. No rush. No rush. Four games back of first in the league. We're fine. We're fine. But that's what I had on MLB. I really like not being that number one team. I think that'll help us out. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, you don't usually hear teams rooting against their team getting that first seed. I'm not saying let's start losing. <laughs> no, <laughs> but, but who is the Braves? Are the Braves number one? Who is who's number one? Yeah, Braves number one. Braves, just keep winning. Just yeah, keep winning. Win. Just and keep winning. Let us have right the two. Home, we don't will let us winning. let us have the two. If we get the one, all right. Maybe that's the brave strategy. Is now they're gonna lose like two games. Let us let us win. I mean, last get the year first the Braves were the overwhelming favorite. Got bounced by Philly in their first round, technically. So, so I mean, all right. College before football. that, Giants were the one seed. We bounced them. Not a great track record. Yeah, not a great track record. Twenty twenty, okay. we were the one seed and we won though. So. But yeah, COVID year. Yeah, doesn't count. Doesn't count. Um, okay. On a college Pack, football. College football. I I got two things real quick. Both are related. Um, this 
we we've talked about this before uh with pac-12 realignment so this will be a little bit quick but this is even more information on everything and what led to the dissolvement of what what is now i guess the pac-4 um so the pac-12 had an offer from espn for 30 million dollars per school in the fall of 2022 so last last year yeah the espn wanted you know wanted all they wanted to do it all but presidents and chancellors of the pac-12 wanted more than 30 million they said they wanted 50 per school espn said adios and for reference i don't have this exact number because it's changing but i i think like on an annual basis the big 10 teams with their $7 billion. Now it's not worth 7 billion. It's going to be less. Things are changing, but at the time, the big 10 schools would have received around 54 million annually for that contract. The PAC 12 wanted something comparable in the $50 million range for their schools, which obviously Fox marginally overestimated ESPN. They would not be willing to pay for uh, also, keep in mind, by the way, ESPN, Disney, everything, losing money currently. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's just say, uh, now, I don't know, I don't have all the answers, but ESPN now getting into betting, it seems to me, you know, take advantage. Some user-generated content revenue right here, where, in my opinion, if it's up to Disney, like ESPN, like I've been saying this for a while, like that shit's getting sold off to Amazon or Apple. I'd say more so Apple than Amazon right now. I feel like Apple's showing that they're really, really trying to enter the live sports uh, space like with their deal with the Pac-12 and uh, whatnot. Uh, let's just say, though, that ESPN, I don't, I don't know what the, the long-term outlook for their platform is right now. Uh, I, there's obviously potential there. Like ESPN is still a highly visited website still gains a lot of traffic. There's still ways to monetize off it. It's just from a public stock perspective. No more content is so, issue. You know, it's a little tough to invest. Um, so that's 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 the background behind the Pac-12 dissolvement. I just thought it'd be interesting to get a little bit of context. Here's the other thing. Here's the bigger thing that I want to talk about. Uh, besides one thing, we both will be talking about later on in the college football segment. Um, this is related to Tulane. This is related to Ole Miss. Um, so Ole Miss travels to Tulane this year, week two for the final game of the home and home. We played the first home game in 2021. Yeah. Uh, it was at Ole Miss. How exactly did that? This was when we were stuck in Birmingham. It was our last game before the return to, uh, New Orleans played in the rain. It was not a fun game for us. Uh, that was Matt Corral, uh, last season there. Now, obviously, Tulane won the Cotton Bowl. We won the Cotton Bowl last year. We won the conference, right? We have started filling out the stadium. Like, everybody's book, it's booking up. This, this, the, the, the stadium we have, which I think is like 30,000 people capacity, like 38, small stadium, it's booking out. It's booked out. Um, this, is what the, yeah, this is what the Ole Miss athletic director had to say when talking about this. Okay. He was, quote, very frustrated and said, we only got 3,000 tickets in the past. It was basically an Ole Miss home game in the Superdome. And that they will reevaluate the future of Tulane uh, contracts based on this year. 
Now, to me, that is the most Charmin Ultrasoft possible like explanation thing, whatever you could say as an just athletic director. To, to me, sure I... it sounds like they're scared of shit wait, to wait, come play Tulane. Making sure I have this correct, like Ole Miss is saying right now, like we need to have more like pre-bought just Ole Miss designated tickets because they've already sold out for Tulane. Is that what they're, they're saying? They're saying that enough? the allotment, so keep in mind, one, there's resale tickets. That's where the majority yeah. of the market is, right? Each school gets a select amount of yeah. tickets that yeah. they sell initially, yeah. all right? So what one, I'm saying is, does Ole Miss want more? Well, one, one, when you're at a 70,000 capacity venue, you get more tickets, right? That's yes. just how the allotment works. I'm just talking percentage-wise. Two, two, two. The statement of... In the past, it has been basically an Ole Miss home game in the Superdome or Ole Miss home game in Yulman, whatever. That's like, they're basically saying, oh, because now we have to travel on the road to a packed stadium in enemy territory. Like, it's not going to be our fans there. It's going to be the other team's fans there. We don't want to go anymore. That's what it sounds like to me. And to me, that is really soft. That's well, well like, what I, what, like, yes, I, I do think though that like, Right now, I'm guessing like Ole Miss wouldn't be putting out these complaints unless like the numbers are showing that right now Tulane fans are buying up the fucking tickets and that like it's sold out. Right now, yeah, okay, essentially. So like, like right now on paper, Ole Miss and they're like, oh fuck, it's going to be a sold out. Like this is their game of the year. Like now they're thinking that they're like, oh fuck, uh, shit, they're gonna be ranked too. It's really gonna shit. You guys might get game day there. Not gonna lie. If you guys are gonna be ranked, like you really possible. could get game day there. So like that's going to be a big ass game. I can understand Ole Miss's concerns. And if you know, as a as a USC guy myself, Jackson Dart's not the most inspiring guy at quarterback. So yeah, I'd I'd be scared shitless if I was Lane Kiffin too. <laughs> it's just being like, yeah, now we don't know if we want to come anymore because we don't get to get like an easy pancake cakewalk schedule against this team we get like to make well, our money in an away game we don't want to go assuming that this was not going to be a marquee matchup on their schedule i mean we like, know how the old, we know how the sec schedule yeah no they're, they're like oh the first five weeks we're gonna yeah, make it they, as easy they as possible were under the impression that this would be a free auto win for them but no that isn't the case anymore uh but you, i'm with you that is ultra soft on right now just on vivid seats it's saying tickets, lowest tickets are $90 right now for Ole Miss at Tulane. I'm not sure what your prices are like, but like that seems like it's pretty expensive. So yeah. I, I'm pretty uh, like those are probably the most expensive tickets we've had besides the championship game. Yeah, I can I can understand that definitely being number one. But like, yeah, those are pretty notable. So yeah, like I I get that from Ole Miss perspective. Charmin Ultrasoft though, yes. You know my opinion. I hate, I hate, I also just kind of in general hate starting 10 years ago, 11 years ago. The home and homes, you don't like the home and homes. Starting. Well, the reason of doing home and homes, like when the college ball playoff first started, the national perception was that the Big Ten was such a weak conference and that who cares if Ohio State runs the table, they're not as good as a one or two loss Pac-12 team or a one or two loss Big 12 team. That's what people were saying. Now, five years after that, everyone was like, oh shit, Big 10's the second best conference. But Ohio State had scheduled these home and homes like during the 2012, 2013, 14 seasons. 
under the impression that they need an out of conference win to get in the playoffs. Yeah. Minnesota, by the way, just scheduled home and home with Bama, I think for like in 10 years from now, which if I was both sides cancel that today, because there's absolutely no reason to play out of conference games starting in 2024. If you're in the big 10 or sec, there's absolutely no reason to do it. You don't benefit from it. There's zero benefit. And one thing I'm concerned about for Tulane is they're out of schedule conferencing because I think it's unfair that the non-power two schools, you have to still schedule out of conference to get your respect. You still have to. It doesn't work both ways. That's why it's bullshit. If you're in the SC or Big Ten, you don't need to do it. But if you aren't, you have to or else you won't get the respect by the national media voters. It's bullshit. And it's going to just, it's going to piss off a lot, a lot of college football fans. If you if your favorite team isn't in the Big Ten or the SEC, I'm sorry, but like, you're going to get fucked year in and year out now. Or, or let's if you're if you're not them or Clemson, essentially. Even then, Clemson is, I mean, to a degree, like the big they, name, they could, they could be fine. And like Notre it's just Dame, the big name, it's the big like it, Notre Dame can go ten and two now. They're not in a conference and they'll just get in. It's absolutely bullshit. Like, to be honest, under the playoff structure. Notre Dame, although they kind of have to go undefeated to get in, they don't have to play 32 games, just 12 games, get in. You're in no matter what. If Notre Dame ever goes undefeated, they're in no matter what, and they get a bye. That's just how it works. It's so stupid. It's dumb as fuck, but that's how it works. <sighs> Anyone who thinks I'm like half joking right now, like open up your eyes. This is how it works. Like there's no, he's clear dead biases in college football. Um, so. Do you have anything else in college football? I have one more thing. A quick little recruiting update. So uh, just want to start massive win Everett. The biggest recruiting pickup that Ohio State's gotten in years. We landed the number two long snapper in the class of 2024. So those special teams are up, baby. We got the number two long snapper in the country out of Texas. So we took him right out of UT's backyard, stole him from AMM. So those guys are jelly. We got the long snapper, but in all, in all seriousness. Has there ever been like a five-star long snapper? I think the for a special like teams player, I think there have been three-star kickers, but that's about it. I feel I like there's, there's been like a four been star, star but I think Maybe. there's been four stars, Maybe. but but yeah. definitely three star kickers, long snappers. Maybe a two star. Maybe I doubt. Like it you have still. to be like an athlete. If you're like an athlete, yeah. then yeah. But still, I doubt it. I I don't know though. I I don't know. Uh, but the real news: four star edge Elias Rudolph from Florida has flipped from Michigan to Miami. This update came in a couple days after a rumor started circulating that Ohio State would flip current four-star Miami edge commit Marquise Lightfoot, who Ohio State wanted really badly in the first place. Now, allegedly... Yes, they gave him a bag. (laughs) Allegedly, Lightfoot ended up committing to Miami under the impression that Dylan Stewart, five-star edge, Ohio State's number one target at edge, would go to Ohio State. He ended up going to South Carolina, which I'm still personally investigating. So... Ohio State missed on the number one edge target uh, in the class 2024 in Dylan Stewart. So maybe they told Lightfoot, hey, the bag man came back and uh, he re-upped the deal, bro. So come on through. We'll see. Yeah, Cardale, Cardale really went deep, deep for that one. I Everett, I just got to say, after all the shit I gave Cardale last year, he listened. 
He listened. He, he he's he actually a water he boy enthusiast. The fuck up in NIL. Like, like Ohio State, we're still missing out on recruits, but I'm happy that we aren't missing out on them because of NIL anymore. Which shit, maybe you could say that's a bigger concern because how how are you losing out on recruits if you have the NIL at Ohio State? But at least we have the NIL. That was uh, like last year, there were some players that we couldn't even begin a recruitment with them because we didn't have the NIL. So at least we have that. But that's what I had on my recruiting update. I have my top 10 players in college football for the next season, but I'd like you to do, if you got something else college football. We yeah, I got, one, I got one more thing. Um, so this is making headlines. Uh, it's It's been in and out of the, the, the headlines for probably about a week now. Uh, if you haven't heard yet, there are significant allegations with uh, Iowa State having players betting on just their Iowa. own games. Just Iowa. Iowa. No, it's, it's just Iowa. It's just, just Iowa. Iowa. Not Iowa State. Just Iowa. You know, the uh, team notorious with the worst offense in college football. Yeah, those guys. Yes. Uh, so with that being the worst offense, uh, Arlen Bruce, the fourth, right? Arlen, just Arlen Bruce, whatever. I don't care about the numerals. Arlen Bruce, who's a wide receiver for Iowa, uh, is one of these players that have been accused. You want to know what the funniest part of this is, and I don't know if you've seen this. I'm pretty. So sure he's I been accused of betting on Iowa games. He apparently scored he's a, a wide knee. receiver. He's a wide receiver. He's on the offense. Is terrible. He apparently scored a meaningless touchdown that lost him one of his own bets uh, versus Northwestern. <laughs> It was an over, I believe it was, an, uh, it, he, he had the under, he bet the under 37 the and a half under, versus Northwestern. And he scored a last minute touchdown to put Iowa ahead 32 to seven. Yeah. Now, I have not seen bet. the clip of that, but shit, if you look back on that and his celebration is a little tame compared to what you'd expect. I think we know why now. He's like, shit, uh, what did I just do? My first thought though is like, before we get into my my opinion on just betting your team under while being a member of that offense, we'll get into that. But just first, I'm going to... Now, it has been confirmed that a kicker on Iowa was also betting on Iowa unders, but I'm just going to go out on a limb ever and say there were more than just the receiver and kicker betting on Iowa team unders. 100%. Go on a limb and say there were more. Uh, so, Everett, let's... So, wait, no, sorry. Here's the wait, big question. Wait, Everett, if you are that receiver... And you score that touchdown. How much hazing do you think he got in the locker room for losing everyone's <laughs> bet and hitting the over when everyone had the under, including the offensive coordinator? How much here's hazing the, do you here's think the he question. had? Actually, this is not much of a question. This is really the answer to all of our questions. Um, is the reason why Iowa's offense has been so bad because they've been betting on unders? Now, this is the thing. Like Iowa's offense is truly like so bad that that's the only explanation there's a chance that maybe it is a bit of a, a symbiotic relationship here where uh, you know a little bit of both happening i i genuinely believe though that that iowa offense was so bad is so is so bad now remember their coach kirk Ferenz, his son is the offensive coordinator and iowa fans on those forum boards they'll let you know their opinion of their nepo oc uh, and let's just say, like, if your players are picking the under and you are their offensive coordinator, you should be fired. If your own team doesn't trust you and they are literally putting money on the line, that's how confident they are in your failure. 
yeah, you shouldn't be offensive coordinator for a division one program anymore. Mm -mm. Especially not when you're like known as the worst offense in college football. Like forget in the big 10 or the power five. No, no, no. In college football, the whole sport. So like, so here's the your question. players is, uh, fading your team should have been the final. Is, is Cade McNamara going to be betting on the under this year? Probably. Probably. And I wouldn't blame him because Cade McNamara is not going to play in the NFL. He needs to take advantage of all the money he can make right now while still playing. Yeah, he'll, he'll, he'll say he got all of it, by the way. He got all of it because his family is an oil tycoon, <laughs> all right? That's how he's going to get all. <laughs> his family's from an oil tycoon, all right? It's not from betting. Yeah, uh, we can we can quickly dive into that too no but, you got to do your list first yeah yeah we'll, we'll hit the list but yeah on a last little thing for iowa it's just yeah little friends it's um it's time it's time to wrap it up your, your players are fading you with money okay top 10 players in college football for the 2023 season uh a lot of these are entering 2023 i would say yeah this is probably going into week one uh in a way uh, but yeah, you want to, let's, uh, let's go 10 to one, but everyone knows who number one is. So maybe we do one to 10. Everyone knows it's Caleb one to 10. Okay. All right. Caleb Williams, Marvin Harrison, Brock Bowers, Drake may Jared verse, Joe alt, Olu Fashanu, Kool-Aid McKinstry, Dallas Turner and Harold Perkins. A lot of edges on here. Good amount of tackles on there. Only two quarterbacks, just one receiver. Brock Bowers on there, who counts as a receiver. Uh, you know, I might get some hate. Where's Blake Corum? Yada, yada, yada. Where are all these other things? I believe these 10 players, for what they do for their role, whether it's on offense, defense, blocking, you name it, what these 10 players bring to their respective position groups, that's what I was kind of more so thinking so. Slight projections I mean, here and there with some of these edges. I mean, Dallas Turner didn't have crazy production. Also, production. also, let's let's be real here. Honorable honorable mention, uh, Mr. Chad Bailey. Um, yeah, my bad, my bad, my bad, Chad. Yeah, my bad, dog. That's on me. You can't you but, can't do him like that. But uh, also, with that said, like the players that aren't mentioned, like Blake Quorum, right? Blake Quorum, we've already ranked as our number one running back for the season. Yeah, like it's not Blake disrespecting. <laughs> like, it's not disrespecting him but i mean like he's not he's not there so i mean coming off an injury too keep that in mind and also it's like i guess i guess unfair in a way but not really like certain positions yeah just what you do is a little more valuable like if you're a quarterback your job is a little the more R valuable. the rb shade back in it's already back in for college too now i hate to say it but it's just a little more valuable but okay okay that's what i had for college football you want to dive into quick little johnny manziel take we can we talked about it the other the other week too uh up to whatever you want to i mean to, if, you, if you have something to say like after i have seen the johnny manziel doc and everything one thing i just want to say that really stuck out to me was the perception of Johnny Manziel like, and his dad seeing how much money Texas A&M was profiting off of Jan Johnny Manziel. Seeing that now, from that perspective, I totally understand why Johnny Manziel was so pissed. Like, I totally understand why he was so angry seeing them raise $740 million 
saying how they sold 45 million Johnny Manziel jerseys and he got absolute none of it. And he's the reason that AM even got that money in the first place. So like with that thought process, like, yeah, I'd be pissed off if I was Johnny. This is one thing I'm thinking about though, from a present day college football perspective now with NIL, with college football playoff, conference expansion, yada, yada. Johnny Manziel did so unbelievably much for the future of Texas A&M that I can't even like begin to really outline what he did for that program. So just first things first, they joined SC that first year from the Big 12. They were mid-tier Big 12. They go nine and three in the S or eight and four, nine and three, the year one beating Bama, all that shit. Like that was literally the reason that they were able to fundraise 740 mil or whatnot. And that literally a couple years later down the line, we saw them go after Kyler Murray. He obviously left, hit the portal, but they were getting guys like him, Speedy Noyle and shit. They got that dude, Miles Garrett, pretty good at football. Like they're starting to now roll and pick up these recruits. And at the time, they got Jimbo Fisher, highest paid college football uh, coach at the time when he signed. So like literally Johnny Manziel proved to the A&M, the actual oil money A&M boosters that, yeah, you can actually buy success in college football. First year that NIL was a thing, Texas A&M as the number one recruiting class in the country. Go figure. Like literally Johnny Manziel was the framework to the AM boosters like hey we can really do something with also football. i mean to be honest for for as much shit as johnny manzel did that was like not great um and like the, the partying everything yeah he his opinion on the nil and getting paid and stuff completely correct completely correct and on top of that obviously he's trying to be like taking a step back but if i was AM. And if Johnny wanted it, I would offer him be part of the NIL program there because helping out other players getting that kind of stuff. Like that kind of seems like something that he would be good at if doing. He'd be, yeah, if he'd be interested in doing it. Like I I after that documentary, seeing that like first seeing just like Cliff's opinions on Johnny were hilarious. That Mississippi State game when he was like, Yeah, Johnny showed up to walkthroughs on Saturday morning, hungover, sweating bullets. And I went up to him and said, you better fucking play good. Then he, quote, played the best game of his life. I was like, all right, like, that's literal movie shit right there. Like, that's some Friday Night Lights, like, fucking Tim Riggins showing up drunk to the game type shit. Like, that's literally what I've never seen Friday Night Lights. But, like, I haven't either. That's, like, some shit it was. So, like, that's why I add on Johnny. I just want to say, like, must watch doc regardless if you're interested in football or not or college football yeah definitely really then then go watch the man titeo documented right after that because that's then you get the whole encapsulation of, of 2012 season year. yeah I, I would that's, actually that's actually crazy start with the man titeo because they reference the johnny manzel like heisman shit more so in the teo doc than manzel yeah yeah kind of kind of low blow to teo and the that manzel documentary i'm not gonna lie well, I mean, you, Colin you, Klein, my God, no one will remember him ever. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> You'd expect Johnny Manziel to be like, yeah, I was up against that dude with the fake girlfriend. Uh, so funny he said that. But like, uh, I mean, okay. like, going into that, well, last thing I got to say, going into yeah. it, I was under the impression that Johnny Manziel was by far the Heisman favorite. But like, dude, at a point, like at the time, no freshman had ever won. 
like the year after Jameis was. And what Man Tateo did that win. season two storyline, everything. Well, Tao like... would have been, I believe, the second defensive player to ever win the Heisman if he won it that year too. So like, there was the were... first one. Charles Woodson, but like yeah, th- there right. were some countering like things there, and like I guess the freshman or I no, guess I've called Klein won it. There's like oh, can't oh, do it. Riots. Can't be first for no, 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 riots, riots, <laughs> We would have we would have revoked that year. Yeah, but no, that was just like they did it Red, to, to to Reggie Bush free Reggie's Heisman. Um, yeah, Ohio State should have won a Natty that year. Oh well, okay, all right, okay. NFL. This is what we care the most about. And uh, to start, we're going to go back to what we were talking about in the pre-show. Uh, Quinton Johnston, Vikings offense. You asked me to bring it back up. Quinton Johnston over the top fade catches versus uh, the guy on the board who you skipped, yeah, Jordan so Addison. Just, okay, let's just start off with this. Like I was reading a lot of people online on Twitter who were like. Now I was shitting on Quinn Johnson. I'm like, dude, look at this. Ball hits his, he's he gets open. He actually got up on the fade route. Ah, oh, god damn it. It's a shame the ball hit him in the worst possible place, right in the hands. Hardest place to catch a ball, right when it hits you in the hands. Am I right or am I right? But all these comments from Chargers fans were defending him. Like, that's a really hard catch to make. You can't expect everyone to come down with that. Well, I can't expect my first round receiver to do it, especially when a wide receiver taken a couple picks after consistently did it on tape. I I mean, get me wrong. Don't get me wrong here, okay? A first round talent, that's a lot of draft capital to invest in a first round player. Don't get me wrong. I understand that. You don't want to waste that pick. But also at the same time, Everett, because it's that first round pick, you want to go get upside. You want to go find your next franchise guy. So I understand a, a debate between looking at floor and ceiling, combining max potential. So you know what? Let's, let's, do, let's do this. You were the in person. Well, real quick, Everett, what I just want to say, I believe Jordan Addison has a higher floor and ceiling than Quentin Johnson. There's literally no reason to select Quentin Johnson over Jordan Addison. So let's I say don't this. See it. Let's say this. You were there. You were there for this game, for this pre- first preseason game. Pros and cons <laughs> of what you saw from Quinton Johnson, because you were tweeting during this game. Uh, you first tweeted, "Why the fuck did we take Quinton Johnson over Jordan Addison?" Uh, to which I was like, "Thank you so much. I'm so happy." And then later on, you're like, "All right, Quinton Johnston is 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 the future. He's he's going to be the the next great thing." Oh so, well, that was just he caught cons. one touchdown. I was just kind of overreacting. Pros and cons. Uh, well, this from the greatest part. football mind on the planet, by the way. I mean, we drafted Quentin Johnson, quote, because of his yak yards after catch capability, what he can do with the ball in his hands. Now, we only got to see like two screens out of him on Sunday that went for like negative three yards. So, like, I mean, we can't really take much away from it. But, like, I'm still under the impression that Jordan Addison can actually go rack up more yak for you than Quentin Johnson. I'm still under that impression. I also believe. Jordan Addison has better ball skills. Sure, Quinn Johnson's four inches taller than him. Uh, you know what else is different, though? Jordan Addison can just create three yards of separation, so the height doesn't really matter. You, you know, it's kind of crazy how that works, getting open. I, I mean, you correct me if I'm wrong. So this was supposed to be if pros and cons of what you saw the other well, uh, the game. with the yak ability. <laughs> I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. I appreciate you hyping up my guy because, I mean, it's just, Vikings, I don't understand but... any reason to select Quentin Johnson here. Be- like, so now is, what if they pick the to replace Mike Williams? What if they picked Zay Flowers? I wouldn't necessarily be hyped on that either. 
I mean, I'm not you know too high on about, him about five, or nine Quentin receivers. Johnson. Like, this is the thing. If we took Quentin Johnson round two, now, okay, sure. I could get in on the upside a little bit, a little bit. But it's just at round one with other guys on the board, with like a Nolan Smith on the board, a Jordan Addison on the board. I, I just don't get Wait, it. I mean, Deontay Banks, too, was an option there for y'all. Nasir Adderley retired. Brian Branch was still on the board. Yeah, Joey Porter was still on the board. Which, you know, debatable. But once again, camp doesn't matter. So I'm not that scared about him. Uh, it's just, Quinn Johnson, I, I feel, I just don't really see the upside here. Even if he does hit to what they think he'll be, I still think Jordan Addison has a higher ceiling. And I believe he's more bust-proof. Uh, so we'll start with that. Se- okay, second, just like route running and shit. He's just not as sticky as Jordan Addison. I mean, I, what else do I got to say? He just isn't. Being 6'4", it's hard to be sticky. What can I say? Uh, next thing, though, it's just like the catching. Like one of Quentin Johnson's biggest weaknesses is his like lack of catch dominance. Now, like, I'm not sure if that's what you want out of your 6'4 receiver, Everett. That he he struggles with contested catches. Like, it's a little counterintuitive. To me, what it seems like what they wanted out of him. I, I don't know. I don't know. Hopefully I'm wrong. I want to be wrong. I think unfortunately. I mean, look, I we've I'm only seen high. one preseason game, and I what I saw was not like great. Like it was not like wasn't like the best thing ever, but I wouldn't say that it was bad. He was playing against the twos, to be fair. So if it was bad, that'd be concerning. Um I, but... I don't know. I do just I just feel like just watching what they did at USC even pit compared to TCU. I mean, come on, guys. Come on. I'd love to talk to this scout. I, I'm just so curious. I'm so curious. I mean, look, you, you know my opinion. I had him ranked as like the fifth best wide receiver in the draft. So um well, that that's what I that's what I had on QJ, really. I mean, I don't have many other major takeaways for that Chargers game other than my boy Cam Brown out of Ohio State UDFA balling out falling out at corner played like 90 percent of snaps my brother and i were shocked seeing him out there so much because he was how did um how the line was it diane henley the the linebacker from diane henley was playing pretty good he got a lot i think he had the second most snaps uh in the game so he got a lot of pt he was playing really well now the whole show got stolen uh by running back uh our our big boy isaiah spiller no 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 no. uh felton that was name felton Felton, Chargers. The two tubby uh, dude. Yeah. Um, yeah, Demetric Felton. He stole the show, scored two touchdowns on like six carries for 90 yards. Stole the show. Darius Davis, fourth round, like punt return specialist out of TCU. He took a punt back in the second quarter. He kind of stole the show too. Uh exciting seeing all that stuff. Uh, but like, you know, my biggest positive takeaway was just seeing some positive run game. It was surprising. I haven't seen that in a while. Uh, it was weird. Usually don't get to see that out of the Chargers. Uh, but And I liked how Kellen Moore kept his foot on the gas end of the game. But that's all I had, really, for that. Do you have anything on Vikings preseason I game? mean, there's not really, or... like, the, the first and the biggest thing to say about the Vikings preseason and what this was interesting was, so Ivan Pace, rookie linebacker, UDFA. Good. Um, and it was projected mind, to go drafted. Keep, keep in mind... Rookie UDFA, his first season. Um, 
in this game, he wore the Coach Kong green dot as the middle linebacker for the yeah. starting mm-hmm. lineup. Uh, for me, that is a huge symbol. This is a, a new de- defensive coordinator. This is a rookie. Like, that is a big sign for how yeah. he's doing. And I've said this before, and I will say it again on this podcast. We can replay the clip if we need. I believe it's in the Vikings segment of the whole offseason breakdown that I had. Um, my projection for the depth has been Brian SMO at one, Ivan Pace Jr. two. And I just like to say that, that I believe that it's going to come to fruition. It looks like it's going to come to fruition. I don't think Jordan Hicks is that great of a, of a player. He's a, he's a veteran. He's a presence. But, I mean, Ivan Pace has been really good. He plays bigger than, than he seems. He's, he's, I mean, he's 5'10". He's built out. But my man will go and he will get in there, shove off blocks, Get to the tackle, run, he'll fill try that to make a tackle, gap, and he'll fill that shit quick yeah. and hard. Um, so I mean, he's he looked he was probably the player of the game. Uh, Jordan Addison looked really good uh, for also being technically the wide receiver one for that game, um, too. So like he didn't really, he wasn't really getting much help. Um, I have a big issue with uh, our third stringers. Uh, the third string O line didn't. I'm, I'm being. I mean, like with the Vikings <laughs> though, that that is it is a problem like it, it, they were getting absolutely waxed um and ed ingram our favorite our favorite guy uh who, who likes to trip quarterbacks um he was the only starter i believe that started that game that got pt seems um, like he might have like needed that experience so they were like oh, yeah it was better than last year down. um <laughs> but i it did not make me have faith um he got pulled after three drives okay all right and didn't look, I mean, he was still getting kind of pushed around by the, by the second stringer. So not ideal. Yeah, That's I not ideal, think, but I mean, happen. we'll see more as the seed as the preseason goes on. I'd like to see that, that whole offense, like Kirk get a drive in that whole, I'd, I'd like to see how everything meshes. Um, still had some issues on third and fourth down, but uh, I mean, we'll see. We'll yeah. see growing pains we'll 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 get over that. Uh, in other news though by the way bryce young's literally gonna die this year oh, yeah. um yeah no that didn't look fun for him yeah no uh-uh. yeah that but... was my biggest takeaway of the weekend yeah Frick, i don't know if you want to say anything McCall, about cj they got their hands filled uh oh yeah. see well cj i don't i don't have many uh who the who cares i couldn't care less about the fucking preseason game Pfft. cares growing pains well i also just want to say you know it should be i mean it should be illegal to have a rookie have his first ever game experience against bill belichick should be illegal but yeah yeah you get it out of the way now that that's like the biggest learning experience you Literally. could have you get, to like, be fair it was first snap of his nfl career the patriots had six guys on the line dropped two of them back into coverage cj had no idea what the fuck was going like on. cj had no idea what the fuck was going on no fucking idea <laughs> He had never seen that shit ever at Ohio State, never. So, yeah, I understand. He was pooped his pants. <laughs> he soiled himself up there. I, I get it. Uh, but uh, last thing I just want to say about uh, the preseason and everything, Everett, uh, I had to bring this up. Uh, so just immediately remember what I just said about preseason um, and take everything that I just said, throw it out the window. Justin Fields, MVP season. Mark it right here. Uh, yes, two screen throw. passes for 90 uh, yards no, 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 really, no, 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 really did no, no, it. No, 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 Everett. Uh, he threw two bombs, okay? A, t- a combined 120 air yards on both passes. <laughs> absolutely zero yak. Uh, you know, it's cute. <laughs> Everyone, you guys, yeah. all the haters on yeah. Justin Fields. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's all right. You, you didn't watch the game. It's all right. It's all good. Yeah, it's okay. all right. You're just a hater. 
Now, the people that watched the game and tuned in know that Justin Fields slung that bitch like it was prime 2020 Clemson, all right? Khalil Herbert somehow somehow was playing slot and absolutely torched whoever the fuck was playing safety over the middle. Kevin Biard somehow got preseason PT and goddamn. Okay, in all seriousness, no. Uh, after that preseason game, I'm less high on Justin Fields than I was before. I thought his pass to DJ Moore on the screen was really lackluster. I know if he did that at Ohio State, he would be running on Monday. So uh, <laughs> I grade Justin Fields a minus for that play, that touchdown to DJ Moore, for the Khalil Herbert play. Now, I give him an average to plus rating on that play. Uh, Kind of extend the play a little, not really. Didn't really do shit. Uh, But pretty much what I just want to say, uh, that preseason game does not change my opinion of Justin Fields at all. If he went up there and went 0 for 30 with 12 interceptions, I wouldn't give a shit. Well, maybe maybe if it was that bad. That's that's ridiculous. But if he went up there 0 for 5 with two picks, I wouldn't care. If he went up there and went 10 for 10 with 300 yards and four touchdowns, I wouldn't give a shit. I don't care. Until I see it week one, that's when I'll, that's when I'll truly make an opinion on if Justin made a step up this year. Um... Same thing with everyone else. Okay, so last couple of things we'll get to before I finish out with our list. Other than Quentin Johnson, your ass. Um, First thing, you'll like this. So uh, Sean Payton was talking about, he had a whole interview where he was like, you know, in the first first preseason game, uh, I don't want to see any uniforms off after you're done playing, no sunglasses, no bucket hats, no no interviews during the game. Specific. Um, Yeah, so Garrett Wilson came out with a bucket hat on his pads off, off sunglasses on and uh did an interview uh just want to say props for standing up for your uh your oc nathaniel hackett uh yeah that's a big f you to sean payton over there little finger snaps right yeah i just um, want to say hey garrett garrett's gonna stick up for his guys and i also kind of feel like with aaron Rodgers coming on board like if aaron Rodgers oh, like yeah, someone in the organization you have to also go out of your way to show that you like him or else he'll just you know kick you that, that attitude's prompted so, yeah. that that attitude prompted uh the other thing so raven streak is still alive 24 games now got close um, at the I be- end there but yeah i believe it started in 2016 um yes. on the on the on the on the counterpoint uh the other purple team in the nfl the vikings my team um have not won a preseason game since 2019 yeah preseason doesn't matter no, no, it doesn't. But but the last preseason game we won was against the Cardinals in in August of 2019. Um, well, I blame most of that on Mike Zimmer. Yeah, we were three and zero in the preseason that year. Uh, so that season didn't go. To, well, no, that season we made the playoffs. So eighteen well, or nineteen? Nineteen, nineteen, eighteen. Uh, eighteen did not go well. Was eighteen? That was the that was the season after the miracle. Oh, that was Kirk's first year. Okay, okay. Um, last thing I have before that, uh, Zeke officially a Patriot. Yeah, I don't know if we have yeah, anything we want to talk an, about for that. As a former OSU guy, you know it's kind of sad seeing Zeke move on from uh, the running back for America's team. One thing I just want to say about Zeke, though, that despite not playing for Ohio State in I'd say seven years now or eight years, he has never taken the Ohio State Buckeyes out of his Instagram bio. Zeke is a Buckeye for life. That is my guy. That was my takeaway. It'll be interesting how his how his knees do uh, up in up in well, New, New and England. And emotions after his very last play on an NF, NFL field was only in that shit. So 
hopefully yeah. like mentally hopefully hopefully bill's like yeah dude uh the, the selling pitch was you're not running center don't worry i got to be you. honest it'd be really funny if his first day at camp running back room they get that's in, they that's that that's how they that's, that's the hazing they're just like they're like all right ready break and they're like zeke bro you're in the middle get up there ramondre giggles a little bit zeke's like shut the fuck up you know how much money i've made <laughs> um okay so to wrap this out we're gonna do surprising keeps and cuts uh we're gonna do 49ers and the bucks i think we should start off here. with the box okay here we go buccaneers surprising keeps and cuts Keep Sean Tucker, Kayvon Merriweather, Rakeem Jarrett, Devin, Devin Tompkins, Kedrick Whitehead, and Cut, Luke Haggard, and Keyshawn Vaughn. Yeah, I feel like when it comes to Tampa Bay and just kind of their outlook this year, it's a little hasn't bit been weird. confirmed Baker's the starter yet. No, it hasn't been confirmed, but he did play the best out of the three quarterbacks well. there. Um, what I will say is I have them projected based on, I mean, this was uh, a little bit after the draft. They, I have them projected as the worst team in the league. Okay. Now, let's say you are a Bucks right now. You are their GM. Are you trying to squeeze out your value with like a Mike Evans right now? If uh, I'm being honest, like- they need to do full rebuild. I'm trying to get. It's also for Caleb Will. Like that's that's the objective. The like objective. is Worfs the only man who's safe? Worfs. Um. They have uh, Ryan Jensen's probably safe. Devin. No, Devin White. Fuck you. You're gone. Jamel Dean. Well, they, they just resigned. Yeah. Anton Winfield is safe. Yeah. Yeah. Anton Winfield is safe. But like uh, Shaq um, Barrett, I I think he's also had he's like thirty right recently, and like they don't really want to resign him. Yeah, he is thirty too. Um. Yeah, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, both on the block. Chris, uh, Tristan Wirfs, not trading. Um, Vita Vea, maybe. I'd probably put him probably on the block. get some value out of him. Um, they have Levante David, still Shakir Fam- Shaquille Barrett. Uh, I'd be trying, yeah, like for me, Anton Winfield and Tristan Wirfs are like the, they're not leaving. Everybody yeah. else, everybody else, like, look, if you try to trade, I mean, Devin White now is probably staying because they didn't trade him yet, so he's probably staying. But if it was me, Levante David, Shaq Barrett, they just re-signed Jamel Dean, so they probably won't trade him. But Vita Vea, uh, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, get them all. Get them all out of there. See what you can get, yeah. I, like, it's like, yeah. If you think that, though, like, your, your competing players are going to be Baker Mayfield, Kyle Trask, like... Well, this is another a thirty-one-year-old Mike, Mike Evans. Like, even if you can't steal the division, win it this year, like, dude, who cares? Let's also keep in mind, by the way, um, is that the wrong? About- is that the wrong mindset, though? Like, the division is ass. To clarify, the division yeah. is ass. Like, they do have a chance to win it if they play well, but but like, you're not gonna. The, the objective, every team's objective, is win the bowl, win the Super Bowl, and and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Super Bowl this year is Caleb Williams. So yeah, to win the Super Bowl, <laughs> I'm just interested. Like I'm under the impression that you're better off tanking to one day get there. But I don't know. Maybe there's someone in Tampa hey, telling them. Let's let's hey, also clarify. We we're not just make the playoffs and get lucky. We're not saying win. literally so objectively tank. Still try, but when you're, I mean so tank more so like trade like, away your lit players. This is it's like in Dynasty, right? You're trading away your best players. Well, you players. can never tell your team to tank. 
we yeah won. you're not you're not objectively tanking you're gonna put if you win that week with less shit that's fucking awesome for you that's yeah. that's great but the, i mean like you're trying to get stuff to to build a better team a better future like i mean if i'm the bucks if i'm if i'm i don't know who that gm is but i mean i'd be on the phone hey you want mike evans you want chris godwin i mean chris godwin's gonna be out with a broken finger in like two weeks like you well, well don't mention that on the call wait for them to bring that up but <laughs> wait for the, yeah wait for that he's like he's he's past his physical don't worry about yeah. that yeah. Just um like, we have his physical from three years ago they're like you yeah you want that <laughs> you dirty you try to get us we're like ah we tried ah, we tried we know ah. we know we know <laughs> uh but like also they've got i mean they've got wide receivers that they just got that are going to be good rashad white's young they've got a really young like cody mock they just drafted who's a guard tristan Wirfs is young they have a young tight end a lot of their defense is like mid twenties. They're still pretty young. Like, I mean, there's a lot of pieces to build off. You just need the quarterback. I mean, shit, if they, if you trade away Mike Evans, you get Marv, like, well, I'm not sure they can get like a first for him or something like that, but like, I mean, I don't know what the market for Mike Evans would be to be honest, but yeah, me neither. I'm not sure. Mike Evans is a, is a, is a, is a Cowboys wide receiver. Let's be honest. Him and CD. And B. Cooks. I got Brandon there. Hey, that's Johnny Manziel's former receiver at College Stations. Yeah. Shit. But Makes yeah, sense. yeah, that's kind of what we had on Tampa. Okay. 49ers. 49ers. We're going to wrap up with this. Uh, our favorite team. Here we go. Pray to God you can trade Trey Lance. Keep Sam Darnold. Jordan Mason. Tyrion Davis-Price. T.Y. McGill. Chris Conley. Cleveland Farrell and Ronnie Bell and cut Danny Gray and Taco Charlton. Yeah, I was kind of surprised seeing that they were able to get guys like Taco in there just casually or like a Ronnie Bell and stuff. Uh, you know, Niners next year, uh, this is all I could think about. So recently it came out that John Lynch, 49ers GM, wanted to- Hold on one second. Fields. Can I also just just use this instead? I don't want to, I don't want to, uh, I, I don't need to offend uh, those that are religious out there. So just pray, pray you can trade Trey Lance. Oh yeah. Yeah. So pray one thing I just wanted to say uh, real quick when it came to the Niners that their GM it has been leaked that he wanted Justin Fields, but Kyle Shanahan strongly disagreed and said Trey Lance. And so uh, what did Jim Harbaugh say to, to Kyle Shanahan is what we need to be asking. Well, well, it wasn't that. Apparently, John Lynch was convinced of taking Trey Lance after Justin Fields' second pro day, where he he performed very well in that pro day, but immediately after it was over the workout, Kyle Shanahan was immediately drawing up plays for Trey Lance on their flight back. So John Lynch was under the impression there's absolutely nothing I can do to convince Kyle Shanahan that also, what I don't better. understand, but I know, this, yeah, Kyle Shanahan is the man wearing the pants in that relationship, which I find I also, very interesting. I know Trey Lance is like the bigger body guy. I get that, and that's why Anthony. Everybody's like Anthony Richardson because big body Cam Newton, right? But what can Trey Lance do that Justin Fields doesn't have the skill set for? So, according to Kyle Shanahan. Trey Lance, what he liked more about Trey Lance was his off-platform throwing ability. Also, Everett, kind of ironic, kind of kind of counters what the, the media or narrative around Justin Fields is. But 
According to Kyle Shanahan, Justin Fields was too much of a pure pocket passer. Wait, wait, how? He's the worst quarterback in the history of the NFL. Worse than Nathan Peterman, can't throw a pass. Like, there's no way he's a pocket passer. He's he's a scrambling quarterback, right? No. Also ironic Just considering say the for everyone out there, Justin Fields, about five games into his first season at Ohio State, he hurt his knee against Penn State. And after that point, there were no more designed quarterback runs for the next two years. Also just want to say too, by the way, pocket passing. The, the irony is it. also that even if they drew that up for Trey Lance, their quarterbacks since then have all been pocket passers. And that's when their offense has done the best. Has yeah, been and also like pocket Brock Purdy is a pocket, pocket passer. passer. It's doing well. Regardless, regardless, regardless. Uh, he was under the impression that Trey Lance can make off-platform throws better. And Kyle Shanahan says... In his offense, we have multiple fail safes in place for our quarterback if shit breaks down where they have a hot route essentially uh, to hit. And under Kyle Shanahan, he was under the impression that Trey Lance would give them another built-in fail safe. And that makes sense. Down, which except I, for I the, get the logic. I except get for the fact that there was a better quarterback that did all of that. I, yeah, I um, don't Whatever. Keep in mind, by the way, that trade. Um, you know how much they gave up for Trey Lance? They essentially gave up Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill, and Bradley Chubb. Not to mention the pick that uh, the Cowboys then traded to the or the Eagles then traded to the Cowboys for um, Micah Parsons. Yeah. So just so, um, just think what the Niners <clears throat> could be. Nick Bosa's and Micah Parsons, by the way, on the same D line. Oh my God. Filthy. Remember, it could have been that at Ohio State if Kirk Herbstreit <sighs> didn't take a picture with Micah Parsons. Just remember that. But Micah Parsons and Nick Bosa on the same D line. And then the year after it would have been Micah Parsons and Chase Young. No, no, no I mean on the on, on the forty nine. Well, that too. So. I, I'm just saying from the Ohio, like there could have been a Bosa and Parsons at Ohio State too. God, for shame. <sighs> Anyways. Thank you guys so much for watching listening race five stars. You can find us on Spotify, YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram, new Instagram at the Waterboy pod. You can find us on the other platforms at Waterboy pod. Follow me and grant on Twitter at Everett's takes and at Waterboy grant. Yes, it is still Twitter. It is not X. It is Twitter. Uh, make sure to like subscribe well, favorite in about a week. We'll have to officially say X, but yeah, Notif- turn notifications on share with your family, share with your friends. Spread the Waterboy love, and with that, we'll see you in the next episode. Waterboy's out.